Thanks for listening to the Secular Hubcast, a podcast made possible through a grant from the American Humanist Association. This show is a project of the Secular Hub, a Denver nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting community, altruism, reason, and education across the diverse secular community of the Front Range region. For more information and to become a member, visit secularhub.org. Hello, this is Paul Schilling, and welcome to the Secular Hubcast. I'm going to be your host today, and today we're going to talk about how you can save the world, or potentially the end of the world, depending on how you want to look at it, I guess. So today I'm going to go over a few things that you can do on a tight budget to make a minimal impact on global warming and climate change. As many of you probably know, the recent reports have been gloomy. The planet is changing at a pace that we didn't quite anticipate in the 50s. We've been talking about climate change and and global warming since the 50s. And scientists had sort of a long view at that time. Most of their projections were to 2100 because that's where we would see some actual change, some actual disturbing uh, changes that you could you could identify. Water would be rising. It would oceans would be acidifying. Um, desertification would be happening. Uh, shortages of water, shortages of food, stuff like that. Changes in weather patterns. But with recent updates and the current political climate, we're seeing changes much more rapidly than previously anticipated. So. Let's, let's just have an example, a few examples of what, what we can expect. So we can expect that the sea level rise will be more than three feet by 2100. Um, that is the low estimate is three feet. They, many sources think that it's going to be closer to nine feet. And if we continue as we are, it could be up to 20 feet. We're already seeing Miami uh, with uh, bi-monthly floods meaning every or twice a month uh, with their super moons or super tides. Louisiana is going to be something like a four, a quarter of the state will be underwater. Um, much of the southern tip of Florida and the east and west coast of Florida is going to be underwater. Almost the entire east coast is going to be either at risk of flood or actively flooding. But this is, this is just one of many problems. Um, one of our latest reports released stated stated that we're in the we're in the midst of a mass extinction and the rate is much higher than previously thought they think something like a million species are going to become extinct in the next 10 to 20 years we've known that we're in the middle of a of a mass extinction for a few decades now but it seems to be exponentially increasing as opposed to either leveling off or even uh, tapering off. We can expect desertification of the Southwest. So states that are synonymous now with uh, dry or desert is are parts of Arizona, uh, Utah, Nevada, parts of New Mexico, uh, parts of California. Uh, and we can expect that to expand well into Colorado, Wyoming, uh, 
greater parts of New Mexico, Texas, even into the Grain Belt, so Nebraska. They may not turn into a desert in our lifetime, Nebraska meaning, but Nebraska's water supply and their overall humidity levels and rainfall are expected to decrease significantly. And the water situation here in Colorado is going to become dire. And they project it. If you, if you go on the Colorado government websites and check the water, um, they have kind of rosy glasses on, but they recognize that in 10 to 12 years, we're going to have major, major problems here in Colorado with our water supply. And that's the kind of thing you can expect all throughout the Southwest. Uh, as far as the uh, grain belt and the uh, Great Plains, they're going to become too hot. What a lot of people don't realize is many plants that we grow require a very specific range of temperature change, fluctuation during the day, but also highs and lows. Uh, so if there are too many 100-degree days, uh, the plants can't grow or they die. Now, GMOs are probably our only hope. Hopefully, we can engineer some kind of seed that is resistant to this. But even if we do engineer some kind of seed, um, we can't just move. Some people think that you can just move the growing production north, uh, and you can't do that because uh, the landscape is different, the uh, soil is different, and it's not going to become a grain belt in a couple of decades. There isn't going to be time for that soil to change. So what we will see is massive food shortages uh, here in the United States, throughout the world, but I'm focusing on the United States. Um, so they're thinking between 10 and 20%, which is huge. Now, we have a lot of food here in the United States, so we might be okay, but expect higher prices. Expect less availability. Another thing we can look forward to is poor air quality. So air quality is one of those things that uh, a lot of people overlook um, it's a slow killer like smoking. So it's not as, you know, it's, 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 the numbers aren't as big. They're not as impressive as, for instance, a nine foot uh, sea level increase or ocean depth increase. Uh, that sounds big. You're like, what? Nine feet? That sound, that's bad, right? And yeah, it is um, when you consider that Florida is mostly four feet above sea level. But our air quality is, is going to get worse. And it's, it's going to get much worse. And it's going to get even worse still as ground continues to thaw in our northern and southern hemispheres. So ground that used to be encapsulated in ice and therefore methane gas that used to be encapsulated in ice is now going to be released into the air. And that methane is uh, not good for you. <laughs> and it's not good for the environment. Um, it's poisonous for humans, obviously, but it's uh, also going to exacerbate our issue. So our air quality is going to get terrible in the next 50 years. It's going to take longer for the air quality, probably. Some other issues uh, that we can look forward to are going to be uh, erratic weather patterns. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that the a lot of our financial systems and a lot of our real estate industry relies on reliable it relies on predictability of weather patterns so if we can predict what level the ocean's going to be at we can we can safely build along the shoreline if we can predict where we're most likely to get hail or earthquakes or well and earthquakes probably won't be 
affected by climate change, but it's just a it's just an example of predictability. If we can predict where earthquakes, hail, tornadoes, heavy snow, um, heavy rain, we can build accordingly, and we can we can, for instance, build out of floodplains, or build houses on stilts, or build houses with um, more robust infra. Uh, framing so that it can hold up the weight of the snow, for instance, or we can build better drainage. Um, these weather patterns and these climate patterns are going to become more and more erratic, more rain, more drought, and we're not going to be able to keep up. At least that's the, that's the current understanding. And I recognize that this is a problem and that many people feel sort of helpless because what's the, what's the, if you go out there and you look, what are the best tips that you hear, right? Well, oh, okay. If you're going to buy appliances, buy Energy Star. Okay, well, that's nice, but appliances are expensive. A new appliance package um, can cost upwards of three to $5,000. And if you're buying a high-end appliance package, you can spend $12,000 if you really want to get some, I guess, really nice stuff. So what... I'm looking more for stuff that you can do on a budget. What can you do for 50 bucks? What can you do for $1,000 or less? And so I put together a list. I put together a list of things that I do personally, but also things that, well, and the reason I do them, uh, to be clear, is because it's cheap. It's easy. Uh, it makes my life easier. Um, and it's not on everybody's list. So I thought I would share it with you today. Now, there are some easy ones that we can just get out of the way, right? For instance, uh, LED or fluorescent light bulbs. It's a good start, right? Um, insulating your attic. Insulation is actually quite cheap. I know that uh, getting people to put it up there can be expensive because uh, nobody wants to work in an attic, generally speaking. But insulation per square foot is, is relatively cheap. It's about a dollar to $2 a square foot. And if you're really uh, thrifty, you can get it online on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or even some sales um, for less than a dollar a square foot. And that's how I usually buy mine is for less than a dollar a square foot. That's my marker. And I recognize that not everybody can afford an electric car. They say buy a hybrid, buy an electric. Well, they're expensive. Cars are expensive, right? So, so what can we do? What are, some, what are some little things that we can do? Okay, so first and foremost, don't grow grass. So number one on the list of ways you can save the planet is zeroscape. And by zeroscape, I tend to lean towards gravel, sand, or mulch. Now, gravel and mulch are my favorite. Uh, gravel is a great base to then kill off all the grass and weeds and stuff and then open up little circles or squares or beds and then lay in flower beds or bushes. I like rose bushes personally. I also like lilacs. Um, but you can get many of these supplies from our wonderful CSU campus. Colorado State University has a nursery and they use this nursery to uh, keep our forestry service here in Colorado flush with trees and bushes and things that they can landscape with. Well, if you have a landscaping project, even if it's a small project, you can call Colorado State University's nursery and you can order plants and they can be delivered to your house or you can pick them up. There are a few different locations across the front range. I had mine delivered uh, and I bought 75 trees 
about three years ago. I bought twenty three trays of twenty five. There were cherries, plums, um, and then the last tray was an assortment. So I started with gravel, and then I added trees. It's a great way to zero scape your front yard. Now gravel for 55 tons, which was enough to do my entire city lot. So I have a normal city lot. It's like, you know, 6,500 square feet or so. And for, it took about 55 tons for me to cover the entire thing. Uh, and that costs about $1,500 delivered. It, it was a little bit less than that, but I'm, I'm erring on the side of, of, uh, I'm erring on the high side. So why would you do this? Why would you put gravel all over your yard? Uh, well, uh, for one, you don't have to mow, and that is huge. Now, as an aside to that, if you are going to keep grass or something that you have to mow, I highly recommend you get rid of your gas lawnmower and you buy one of the new battery-powered lawnmowers. Not, in a, not one that you plug in because everybody hates those, although those are great lawnmowers. Uh, but battery-powered lawnmowers, Ego, uh, Ryobi, um, I think DeWalt, but I could be wrong, have uh, lawn systems uh, packages that, that have weed whackers and blowers and lawnmowers, uh, and they work fantastically. They use 40-volt systems. They're incredibly powerful for what they are. Um, and they and they work really really well. I highly recommend those. They're also very lightweight. They're easy to carry. But I still say don't have grass and zero scape. So I prefer crushed granite, but any kind of gravel would work well. Uh, it also has a few other advantages. For instance, you can park on it, so it increases your parking space if you have a party at your house or something. Um, it as I said earlier, it makes it easy to, to grow other things like rose bushes or trees or bushes of any other kind or even flower beds. It sort of neutralizes the ground. It does add quite a bit of nutrients, especially mulch, uh, and it preps the ground for uh, rose or flower beds. Um, it's also very clean looking and pretty. Uh, it, it, it makes kind of a clean slate out of your whole front yard. Now, I used gray. There are many colors that you can choose from, but as I said, it's a huge advantage. And not a lot of people know this, but you can't grow grass here in Denver. That's why you have to water it three to four times a week. All that, all that water is eventually going to be gone. We won't have a lot of fresh water around. So watering grass is basically just throwing it away. You're just draining our reservoirs unnecessarily. Also, Mowing lawns, uh, lawn maintenance, yard maintenance is a giant polluter of the air. Lawnmowers, gas-powered chainsaws and blowers and stuff like that are terrible polluters. Although they come in a small package and you don't use them as much as, say, your car, they are not held to the same standards as cars and they pollute on a massive scale. I don't remember exactly what the percentage is, uh, that they contribute, but it's high. It's much higher than you'd think. Okay, so moving on to number two, uh, buy polyester clothes. Uh, 
Polyester has made some huge advancements in the last two decades. Uh, many people think of polyester and they think of uh, 1960s and 70s leisure suits, and they think of a heavy material that doesn't breathe and makes you sweat, and they kind of frown and turn their nose up. At least that's what my grandma did when I told her I was wearing polyester. And, and this really isn't the kind of polyester I'm talking about. However, I do recommend that you go to thrift stores and buy old suits because they're awesome. I love old suits. Anyway, companies like Under Armour, Nike, Reebok, uh, New Balance... Uh, there's a slew of them, but those are kind of the big ones. And then companies that aren't as well-known, but I think are kind of up-and-comers, uh, the company called Ministry of Supply, they all carry really high-quality, breathable, water-resistant sometimes. I mean, you can get clothing that is basically uh, with an array of features that you will not get in cotton. For one, polyester wicks sweat off your body, so it it doesn't it doesn't stay on your skin, and it helps evaporate sweat into the air, so it keeps you cooler. Two, it breathes sometimes twenty times better than most cotton. Three, you can get UV protection. Uh, it comes with UV protection uh, already built into it. Much of it does. You can get heat protection. In other words, it's insulating you. It specifically reflects your body heat back onto you. You can get. Um, water repulsion so you can get polyester that specifically keeps water off of you so if it's raining outside uh, you can get you can get clothing that specifically keeps you cool and dry so if you're working out or if you're just a sweater some people sweat uh, profusely some of them and this clothing can be modified and mixed and matched to completely suit your needs now i know what you're saying I don't want to look like I'm going to the gym all the time, right? Nike, Reebok, well, slow down a little bit. Nike and Under Armour especially have a golf line, line of clothing for golfers. And I know what you're thinking. Some of these golfers are pretty goofy looking. But they sell khakis. They sell nice slacks and pants. All polyester weaves, all highly breathable. One other thing about polyester that's really fun uh, especially when it's mixed with other uh, fabrics, is it's very forgiving and stretching er, and stretchy. So if you're bending over a lot, if you're gaining weight, if you if you're just uh, sitting a lot and it's uncomfortable in your jeans because they're too tight or they're just not giving in the right places, maybe the crotch region, right? A lot of people have that problem. This clothing breathes it, and it allows for expans expansion. So if you're if you're a flexy person and you need your clothes to be able to flex with you, or you're, maybe you're voluptuous, or maybe you're whatever, you need clothing that will expand in the right places and stay tight in the other places. Polyester is a fantastic fabric for that. Under Armour, as I said, Nike makes more of a business-looking uh, polyester in, the, in, in their clothing line for golfers. Many of the t-shirts that you can get, for instance, for rugby or for uh, tennis, have sort of have more of a tailored look. They have more of a designer look. So you can actually look pretty good. Now, I understand that some of your clothes are going to be cotton or whatever, but if you have to if if you need to buy dress clothes, I highly recommend that you that you buy wool and silks. Wools and silks are much more breathable and much easier to maintain than cotton. Now, what what's the big deal? So, why is 
why is polyester so much better? Well, here's the key right here. When you go to put it in your washing machine, you only need to put it on the lowest setting. It only needs to be washed for 15 to 20 minutes. You don't need any extra rinse cycles and you need hardly any soap. You use as little water as possible. You put it on high spin and basically it comes out of the, dry, out of the washer dry. Then you switch it up to the dryer. You put it on the lowest heat setting or maybe no heat if you have that option and you can put it in there for 10 to 15 minutes and it'll be completely bone dry. Now that saves money. That saves electricity. That saves water. Dryers, uh, it'll save natural gas if your dryer is a natural gas dryer, but and you'll help to save the environment. This, these clothes pay for themselves basically in the first three years. They probably pay themselves off plus some in the first three years. If you're like me, I, tr I tend to buy clothing about once every three to five years, depending on wear and tear. Now, I'm not suggesting that you just throw away your clothes. Um, I highly recommend that if you are going to get rid of your clothing that you donate it. Uh, there are a lot of homeless people that could really use some nice clothing, uh, especially socks, underwear, and pants. Um, so don't just throw it out. Um, and don't get rid of it unnecessarily. If it still has a lot of life left in it or you really like that shirt, keep it. I'm not saying get rid of all your stuff. I'm saying when it's time to go buy new stuff, start to use these companies like Nike, Under Armour, Reebok, Ministry of Supply. Start using these companies to replace your existing wardrobe. Now, let's talk about Ministry of Supply for a second. So they are a high-end clothing store. Um, they don't have a location here in Denver. You have to order it online, but it's business attire. It's button-up shirts, it's slacks, it's uh, sports jackets, suits, um, undergarments, um, socks, and sweaters and other things. They're almost entirely uh, polyester. They're very stretchy. They're very breathable. They also have shirts that uh, are made out of a polyester blend that NASA developed. Um, they put them in spacesuits. So it, what it does is it has little gel fibers in it. And when your body gets too hot, it pulls the heat off of your body and stores it in these little gel fibers. And then when your body cools off again, it redistributes that heat back onto your body. So it regulates your temperature by storing and then re-releasing your body heat back onto you. It's fantastic for if you're traveling on an airplane when you'll see, uh, like for instance, on a cold day when it's freezing outside, but when you get on the plane, it's all of a sudden 90 degrees and you're sweating like a dog or a pig or whatever. Um, this, this shirt will keep you warm when you're out in the cold and then it'll allow that heat, heat to be trapped in the shirt itself when you're on the plane and then it'll re-release it back onto you um, when you, when you deboard. So important stuff. Now, Ministry of Supply isn't cheap. Uh, they do have sales. Um, I always buy on their sales. Their sales are pretty good. They're not cheap, but they're ultra high quality and they're very advanced technologically. Speaking of polyester, instead of using paper towels, go buy polyester microfiber cloth, uh, washcloths. You can buy them at Home Depot. You can buy them at other stores. They come in a package of 10 or 20. 
Um, sometimes they're yellow, sometimes they're white, sometimes they're a mixture of yellow and white, sometimes they're a bunch of different colors, but polyester microfiber cloths are great for wiping off your glasses, they're great for cleaning surfaces, they're great for wiping down the dog when it gets muddy, they're, they're great for everything, and you can reuse them, and I do reuse them. I wash the walls with them, I clean the counters with them, I wash the dishes with them, I wash my face with them. They're very easy to use. You can get color-coded ones. So let's say you have ones just for the dog, and then you have some just for the kids, and then you have, you know, you have the orange ones for the kids, and the yellow ones for the dogs, and the white ones are for you, and the brown or, you know, pink ones are for the kitchen or whatever. Um, but they're a fantastic tool. Like I said, they're reusable. They're ultra-absorbent. They won't scratch your glasses, so you can clean your glasses with them. Uh, you can clean your TVs with them. Uh, you can clean just about anything with them and they're very helpful and just like with the clothing 15 to 20 minutes in the washing machine at the simplest cycle there is 10 to 15 minutes in the dryer and they're bone dry ready to be reused so a lot of people talk about this one and a lot of people frown but it says eat more fruits and vegetables I know sometimes it can be hard to cook them to your taste or maybe you don't like fruits and vegetables and I understand but generally speaking it's it, it is sound advice um, it's better for the environment to eat fruits and vegetables. Um, if you really want to kill it, you can grow fruits and vegetables. Manning a garden is not as difficult as you might think. I actually have a process that I go through, and it takes about two hours to get the garden ready and planted. And then after that, it's just on a timer. It's on a water timer and the plants just grow. So it's pretty easy, it's simple. It does require a little bit of work throughout the year to pull weeds, but much, much less than you'd think, especially if you kill the weeds beforehand and prep the ground. Now, I said two hours. It takes two hours if you've already done it. If it's your first time and you're not sure of exactly where to start or how much, you know, if it's your first time walking through the process, it's gonna be probably about four hours. You have to get some supplies and such. Uh, but growing fruits and vegetables is quite easy to do, much easier than people think. Buying fruits and vegetables is probably the easiest. Um, if you want some advice on how to do a garden or how, if you want some advice on how to uh, cook fruits and vegetables or just vegetables really for cooking, but I, I make tons of salads. I make, and I'm not talking about like, iceberg lettuce and some raisins. I'm talking about salads that have cucumbers and sweet peppers and Anaheim peppers and make my own vinaigrettes and craisins and, and feta cheese. I mean, I'm, we're talking like I put probably eight different things, four different kinds of onions, a bunch of different kinds of tomatoes. My salads rarely have any leafy greens in them. I use leafy greens in smoothies. I, I make smoothies in a blender. Um, I do make I do eat salads with leafy greens, but my salads contain mostly vegetables and fruits. Uh, as far as cooking vegetables, I also have a, a really easy and delicious recipe for that. If you'd like to receive that recipe, or if you'd like to learn more about how to grow a garden or zeroscape your front lawn, if you want to get into the particulars of this, you can email me at treechopper.com mn at hotmail.com before I go on. <laughs> okay, so let's say fruits and veggies aren't your thing or you just can't figure out a way to make them your thing. 
Um, eat more chicken. People don't realize this, but chicken is actually quite good when you compare it for the, it's quite good for the environment when you compare it to things like beef um, and seafood. Uh, the way we raise chickens, the way chickens um, interact with the environment, much healthier on our air for one, much healthier uh, for you. It, it's a little bit better for you than red meat. However, I do like red meat and I do eat red meat. I just eat a lot of chicken. Uh, it's generally cheaper than red meat by quite a few dollars per pound. I get my chicken for about $1.99 a pound. That's uh, thighs, boneless, skinless. For the most part, if it's your thing to get chicken that's uh, free range or cage free, you can find that, although it's more expensive. Um, but what chickens don't do that cows do is fart massive quantities of methane into the air. So again, if you'd like to get some of my recipes, I usually cook good food, quickly once or twice a week and I cook for the whole week so if you want these kinds of recipes to make it simple and easy for you just email me at the email that I mentioned earlier uh, chicken's much better for the environment than beef uh, it's delicious and depending on how you cook it it's very versatile uh, another thing uh, don't hand wash your dishes use your dishwasher Dishwashers are generally much, much, much more efficient than washing dishes by hand. That may be counterintuitive to some of you, and you may be thinking, well, I just have a glass and a fork. Okay, well, put it in the dishwasher, build it up over the week, and then run the dishwasher. I think the estimates I've heard is that washing dishes by hand is at least 30% of maybe 50% more wasteful than using your dishwasher. Uh, we mentioned LED lights before. Um, I like LED. Uh, they've gotten to be less than $2 a bulb, which is my price point, although I prefer a dollar a bulb if I, can, if I can help it. So I look for sales. Good places to find LED lights on sale are Sam's Club, uh, Costco, and Home Depot. And when you see one of the big sales every once in a while, they'll have them for under a dollar a bulb or like a dollar fifteen or something like that. Just buy all of them. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, just know how many light bulbs you need and just buy them all at once. Ah, heating and cooling, uh, the great equalizer in the climate issue. This is one that's really difficult because most people don't pay attention to it at all. But they get a smart, either they get a smart uh, thermostat, which I haven't found to be too smart. I've noticed that most smart thermostats keep the house at about 70 to 72 degrees which may sound perfect for some of you, uh, but that's not very efficient. Uh, I recommend, and I've, I do this at my house, uh, to keep the heat at 64 degrees in the wintertime, unless it's really bitter cold, and keep the AC at 74 degrees unless it's just unbearably hot. Now, how do you account for these low and high temperatures? Well, at 64 degrees, there are some huge advantages over having it at 70 or 72. One is your body is forced to burn calories to stay warm, so it will help you lose weight. It'll increase your metabolism. You can also wear some of that fantastic polyester clothing that I mentioned um, in order to keep warm, and it's a good idea to layer in the wintertime, even indoors. It'll help save the environment. It will let you know that it's winter. What's the point of having a winter if it doesn't get a little chilly, right? And it will help you lose weight. Uh, in the summertime, 
I keep it at about 74 degrees, although I don't even use my AC, generally speaking, in the summertime. But if I do, I put it to 74 degrees. And then the reverse. Oh, oh, I forgot to mention. In the wintertime, drink hot water or drink hot tea. Caffeine-free tea. It's a it's an old trick that people used to do a long time ago, and old people still do it uh, because they're old. But you can drink hot water with lemon or mint or something, and you'd be surprised at how warm you will be. Now, switching over to summertime. When the AC is at 74 degrees, you can take off all your clothing. That'll be fun, especially if you live with a significant other or you have kids. They'll be running around in their underwear, and everybody loves that, right? Uh, also, drink ice water um, or wear cooling layers. This wonderful polyester clothing that I mentioned have cooling layers that you can wear. By maintaining your thermostat at these temperatures and turning off or turning down the thermostat, let's minimizing the use of your thermostat when you're not there, you'll save huge amounts of money for one and the environment for two. So let's have an example. So in the wintertime, when I get up and go and leave the house, the thermostat is at 52 or maybe 55. When I come home, I set it to 64 while I'm at the house. When I go to sleep, it drops back down to about 59. And then an hour before I wake up, it kicks on to 64. So when I get up, I'm not just totally freezing because I don't like being freezing right away in the morning. As far as the AC is concerned, at night, I basically don't have it on and I just open all the windows. During the day, at the heat of the day, sometimes I'll have it on depending on how hot I am or how tolerant I am um, and how sick I am of drinking cold water. But I highly recommend that instead of turning up the heat or turning down the AC, you drink hot and cold water to help regulate your body temperature. You wear layers of clothing or take off your clothing. There's nothing wrong with your naked body, and there's no reason why you shouldn't be nearly naked in your own home, especially when it's 95 degrees outside. And I don't recommend you go jogging, but there's nothing wrong with hanging around in your house in boxers or shorts or whatever. Um, so I encourage that. I got yelled at one time when I went on a hike because I had my shirt off. And one of the lovely ladies that we were hiking with, she was annoyed at that. And I thought, well, take your shirt off. I'm all for public nudity and equal rights for all people. So so there, there's my rant. Um, this one's easy, uh, and but it's harder to implement. It's easy to say it's harder to implement. It, it's use as little water as possible. Um, now, I understand that this one is sometimes difficult, especially with children. Children will just like run water for, you know, sometimes minutes at a time and seemingly for no reason. But it does behoove you to, to minimize the amount of water that you use. For instance, if you zero scape your yard, you're not going to be watering your yard. So that's a huge help right there. Um, using your dishwasher is going to minimize the amount of water that you use to clean your dishes. Getting the polyester clothing is going to minimize the amount of water that you use to wash your clothes. Um, I still like taking longish hot showers, maybe seven to 10 minutes, but um, certainly zipping through the shower is a good idea. Getting a low flow shower fixture is a good idea or, and many, many of you might not know this, you can get a shower turnoff. You can have the shower on it. It, uh, the turnoff switch uh, is installed right behind the shower nozzle. So you turn the shower on, you get all wet, 
you click the little switch, it turns off the water for a second while you get some soap on, turns it back on. That way you can have a high flow shower nozzle and still minimize your water usage. Cool little trick. Um, as far as washing your hands and your face, um, I don't think most people just run water needlessly, but obviously don't just run water um, if you're shaving or whatnot. Uh, there's no reason to just run water, especially in Colorado. We'd all appreciate it if you turn off the water. Put one of those uh, insulation blankets around your hot water heater if you have a tanked heater that uses gas. If it's electric, it doesn't need it. They already have them built in. But if it's a gas water heater, you can go to uh, Home Depot or Lowe's or hard, you know Ace Hardware and um, buy one of the blankets that wraps around your water heater. It increases its efficiency by something like 15%. It's, 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 it's a lot. And uh, you should also, if you have the means, insulate the water in and water outlines from your water heater to wherever they go behind the wall or under the floor or whatever. That's really cheap. Ah, uh, Let's talk about indoor air quality for a second. Indoor air quality is something that not a ton of people think about. I personally have probably probably two dozen houseplants, maybe more. I highly recommend that you grow houseplants. Um, for one, they generate a ton of oxygen. They take out carbon. They also take out other impurities in the air. Um, they do take a bit of watering, uh, but I generally water them once every three days, sometimes every four days. Um, and sometimes every five days to just let them dry out a little bit and make sure the roots aren't getting soggy. They add lovely decor to the house. They add color. They improve the air quality. And as you may know, pl planting trees and bushes and whatnot isn't always the easiest thing to do to improve air quality. But houseplants are quite simple. I only grow houseplants that are easy to grow, that don't die. <laughs> That can't be, you know, I don't get a lot of orchids. I get the cheap, easy, almost impossible to kill houseplants. I have Wandering Jew. I have uh, a couple of trees. I've got uh, some other stuff I don't know what it's called. Spider plants. Um, different kinds of vines. And um, growing houseplants can be a wonderful addition to your save the planet strategy with a tight, tight budget. So that's it. That's the list. Zero scape your yard, buy polyester clothes, buy polyester washcloths, eat more fruits and vegetables, eat more chicken, don't hand wash your dishes, change out your light bulbs to either LED or fluorescence, keep the heat at 64 degrees and keep the AC at 74, use as little water as possible, put a blanket around your hot water heater, and grow houseplants. If you can think of some other interesting things that we could add to this list or that we could talk about, feel free to email me at the email I provided earlier in the show. I want to thank all of you for joining us. I hope that this message finds you well. And try not to get too stressed out about global warming and climate change. Keeping our wits about us and not panicking is probably the only way we're going to help. Well, that's it. That's our show. Thank you so much. 